In Session with Dr. Farid Holaku. Good evening and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tolakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. But if you do call in, I ask that all questions be directed towards my guest, Dr. Jennifer Galvin, who I'll introduce you in introduce to you in just a moment. Um, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, our studio number, 310-441-0555. Let me introduce you to my guest, who listeners to the show are probably familiar with because she's been on a few times before. She is Dr. Jennifer Galvin, a licensed clinical psychologist in private practice in Encino, California. She received her Bachelor of Arts from San Diego State University, where she majored in psychology. She later earned a Master of Arts in Clinical Psychology and a Doctor of Philosophy in Clinical Psychology, a PhD from Alliant International University. We got our uh, master's and PhDs together at Alliant. Uh, she also obtained advanced clinical training in psychoanalytic psychotherapy at the New Center for Psychoanalysis, where she earned a certificate in psychoanalytic psychotherapy. And she's joining me today, two days before Valentine's Day, to talk a bit about love and relationships. Dr. Galvin, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you again for having me. As usual, I'm very happy and excited to be here. And we're going to be talking about one of my favorite books, um, along with love in general. So I'm looking forward to being with you tonight. All right, great. Yes, I think it should be great to talk about uh, this book. Uh, I'll just name it now that we're talking about it as if it's a secret. The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, The Secret to Love That Lasts. And I've talked about this book many times on the show, and it was a book of the week last year. But uh, Dr. Galvin thought it would be a good one to talk about, and I agreed because of Valentine's Day coming up, especially because a lot of Valentine's Day is about showing love to your partner, and especially sometimes maybe more men than women might feel not sure what to do and how to really get what their woman wants for Valentine's Day. But the truth is there isn't one thing that you should be getting for your partner, male or female. It is dependent on them and how they're going to feel loved. And that's what this book, The Five Love Languages, is about. And now before we get into those five love languages, maybe we can talk a bit about uh, what Gary Chapman talks about to start the book in relation to love and relationships in general. So maybe you can talk about that a bit. Sure. Um, so this book is one of my favorite books, as I mentioned. It is a number one New York Times bestseller and has been for a long time. And there's been over 10 million copies sold. So it's a very clear, direct, mm -hmm. simple read. Um, and it's really been life-changing, not only for me, but for a lot of people I know who are familiar with the idea that Gary Chapman speaks of. So we will get into that a little bit later. But some of the things that he starts the book off speaking about are the false beliefs or the myths around love and what love looks like. And so some people 
tend to believe that love is something that will last forever if it's real, if it's authentic love, that it will last forever without really having to put in any work. It will come naturally. It will come easily. Um, we're flooded with a lot of ideas, movies, songs, things mm -hmm. like that um, from childhood about what love looks like, what being in love is like, and that this eternal in love experience um, will come as soon as you find the right partner, the right prince or the right princess. And mm -hmm. essentially that's not a fact. Um, it's more fiction to believe that that will last forever. Um, yeah. And I think that that to me is a big one. You hear that a lot. The, you know, sometimes I'll say happily ever after is possible, but you have to work at it, not just right. you know, prince and princess or she meets her prince charming and then they lived happily, happily ever, ever after. after without any effort. It takes a lot of hard work and dedication to each other uh, to get there. And, and it is possible, but to think that it's supposed to just happen, quote unquote, naturally or without any effort, or I've heard people say, well, if it's right, it shouldn't be hard. Or if mm -hmm. you find the right person, it should just work. It should just be easy. Right. And that misconception can really get people in trouble because when they inevitably hit those hardships that you're going to face in any kind of marriage, they think, oh, this means I'm with the wrong person. Not realizing it just means, no, this is where you have to start doing the hard work. And along with that, I mean, in the beginning of relationships, there is a lot of infatuation mm -hmm. and there's a very uh, a temporary high that comes with the love that you experience. Right. And as time goes on and life goes on and routine and schedules kick in, that can diminish over mm -hmm. time, which mm -hmm. is normal. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not real love. It just means that that's a natural process that occurs right. and like. Like you mentioned, you have to work towards that love. It doesn't doesn't just stay at this high level mm -hmm. like when you first meet and stay that way if it's an authentic version right. of love. Yeah, you know, it's in the way love evolves. Uh, I love the book Can Love Last by Stephen Mitchell, which I think we read in grad school, um, because he talks about how love can last. You can stay in love, but again, it's not just by accident or if you're lucky or if you found your quote-unquote soulmate, soulmate, that's it. You're going to be in love forever. No, you have to do a lot to keep it going. And he also talks about a lot that we do to make our love less passionate. For example, making our partner appear more boring and predictable because yeah. it's more safe to feel like, okay, I fully know you. There's no surprises, nothing scary. Right. We essentially trade security oh. and stability for passion. And excitement. Right. Rather than realizing no matter how well you know, think you know your partner, everyone is still so complex and multifaceted that you'll never fully know them. Mm -hmm. And if you actually can hold on to that, you can hold on to the passion a lot better. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's really important, like you mentioned, to keep a... a um, a percentage of mystery in the relationship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And although you can know a lot about each other and, you know, some things may seem predictable over years of being in a relationship with someone, keeping that excitement, the mystery, always being interested and wanting to learn and wanting to know more and different versions of your partner mm -hmm. is a way to keep your love alive. Absolutely. Otherwise, like you said, it becomes redundant, it becomes boring, right. and we tend to fall into this not-so-healthy pattern in our relationship, which we then think we're not in love with the person anymore. Exactly, right. And it's good to recognize that we're, we're creating that. It's not oh, they are so boring. We're making them boring because that's safer. And I think that, you know, what you said is so important. But we can maybe come back to, to the book. Um, and we talked a bit before the show, and you really like this idea, and I do too, that he talks about the love tank. 
Yeah. So um, one of the things he mentions in the book is an idea that every person has a love tank within them. So mm -hmm. if you can visualize something like that inside each person, um, the love tank is um, waiting to be filled with love. And so if you're feeling loved, if you're feeling good, if you're feeling like your love language is being spoken to you and you're happy, then your love tank will be more filled than the times when you're running a little bit low and your love tank seems to be a little bit empty. And so this concept applies to everyone, not just intimate relationships, but it can apply in a lot of different situations. So even with children, if the mm -hmm. child is feeling loved, then their development will more than likely be normal. And if they're not feeling loved, if they're not feeling understood or seen or validated, then they may be misbehaving. So the idea of the love tank is something that can be utilized in all different forms, not just in intimate relationships. But in this book, he uses it in these types of intimate relationships. And he basically says when the love tank is empty and the person feels used and not loved there's no there's no desire to fill your own love tank or to work towards your own potential so mm -hmm. you want the other person to help your partner to essentially help fill your love tank so that you can not only feel fulfilled but you can work at your highest best potential mm -hmm. and vice versa so you want to provide that for your partner so that they also feel as though their love tank is filled. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, just going back to the kids, uh, you know, I think that's so important what you said because so often when parents come into therapy and they're talking about their kids misbehaving, you you can see that there's some way that the kid is not getting the love and attention they want from their parents and their acting out is definitely um, related to that. Um, so, you know, that to me is so key in realizing it happens in with children, but acting out happens in relationships too. Maybe not the same way that we think of tantrums and things like that, but it definitely leads to the relationship not going the way that it should. And now, so the love tank sounds like in a way a simple concept, and I, I think it is a good one because if you don't feel loved by your partner, you're not going to feel good. And also you, you're not going to have that desire, as you said, to fill their love tank back, to give them love back. And so it sounds simple. Okay, give them love. But then this is where the the love languages come into play. This idea that showing love, giving love isn't just something simple. It's not a one size fits all type of a thing. Yeah, absolutely. So he talks about how people have different love languages mm -hmm. and it's important to not only get to know and acknowledge, recognize your own love language, but also the people around you. So your partner, your children, and to look and listen very carefully to see what their love language, what their primary love language is. Mm -hmm. They may have more than one, but the primary love language is what's most important to look at. Right. And so again, it's about noticing that, acknowledging that, and working towards filling your partner's love tank with their love language. And unfortunately, it's just so easy nowadays to think this isn't working. There's no love here. And people just jump ship. They go from relationship to relationship, from marriage to marriage, thinking that they will find something in another person that will help fill their love tank. And unfortunately, it just shows, you know, divorce rates show that this is not the case. I mean, people get married for the second time. Their divorce rate is even higher than first marriages and third marriages even higher than second marriages. Mm -hmm. So this idea of trying to find love elsewhere doesn't seem to be successful either. Right. So it's really important to be willing to put in the work 
to acknowledge your own love language and also your partner's and to put in the work required to fill their tank. Right. So if you're ready, we can start to talk about the first love sure. language. Sure. You know, we could jump into that. I just had a few, you know, thoughts about what you just shared because I think it does go back to that, the myths we were talking about. Uh, Eric Fromm, one of my favorite books of all time is The Art of Loving. And he talks about one of the myths people have about relationships in general. And one of the biggest ones he says is this idea that the problem or the challenge of love is to find the right object to love or essentially the right person to love. So again, this idea that if I'm with the right person, everything else works out so easily, not realizing that it's about developing our own capacity to love and to be in a loving relationship. And then it's always going to be, as we said before, a challenge. So that idea that, okay, I'm not happy in this marriage. That means I have to marry someone else. Or it's a lot of ways that affairs start. People are not happy and say, oh, I feel an attraction to so-and-so at work. And just like you said, they kind of think that that feeling of infatuation, excitement is missing in their marriage and they feel it with this person. So yeah. that means this is it. And then they go be with that person. And after a few months or years, that dies and they go back to the same place. So again, this idea that just finding the right person is everything. Of course, it's important who you marry. You want to find the right partner, but no matter who it is, it's going to take work and learning how to love them is going to be something that you have to put effort into. Mm -hmm. And that's where these love languages come into play. So yeah, we can maybe get into um, the love languages or actually something you mentioned about primary and secondary that he talks about in the book. Maybe can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So if you actually purchase the book, there's this questionnaire at the end of the book that you can take and you can have your partner take. And it actually helps identify what your love language would be. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people score the same um, on two different love languages. So they might have two as a primary. Um, sometimes, you know, the scores are really high. So the primary and secondary are very close together. Basically, it's really not about pinpointing exactly what it is and only focusing on that, but really just getting an idea. So even if it's two love languages are similar, you know, have a very high score versus just one, mm -hmm. then you want to maybe combine some things from both love languages to be able to fill your partner's tank. Right. So you have to really identify what it is that your partner is needing and wanting to feel loved. Mm -hmm. And that's the big key here. What is it that makes you, your partner feel loved? Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, I think what, you know, that's the, for me, that's the key is that realizing that not everyone f expresses love and feels loved in the same way. And although you might think you're showing love to your partner, if it's not in their love language, they might feel very little love or not loved at all. Whereas if you show it in their primary love language, a lot less effort might make them feel loved. And so after the break, what we can do is get into these five love languages and it doesn't mean they're necessarily exhaustive or you can't cut them up in different ways, but I think they are a good way of looking at the different ways that people can feel loved. So we'll get into those and what it looks like and what people can do if that's their love language. And then also later on, we'll talk about other than taking the test ways that you can try to figure out your own love language and your partner's love language, because that can be so key in getting them to feel good and to fill up that love tank. Uh, with me tonight is Dr. Jennifer Galvin. We're talking about the book, The Five Love Languages. If you'd like to join in the discussion, you can call in at 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm joined tonight by Dr. Jennifer Galvin. We're talking about the book, The Five 
love languages. And we're about to get into these five love languages, or essentially these five different categories or ways that people express and can feel loved. And just like speaking a different language, like English or Farsi or Chinese, uh, if someone doesn't speak that language, they're not going to take in the words that you're saying. So in that way, if you don't speak their love language, they won't take in the love the way that you would think you're giving it to them. So that's why it's important to speak their love language or show love in their love language. And so we'll get into those five. So Dr. Galvin, start us off with, uh, really, they aren't in any order of importance, but the first one that we'll talk about. Well, and it may seem a little confusing to think, how can someone not take in a hug or how can someone not take in an I love you? Mm -hmm. And it's not that they don't acknowledge it or see it. It's just that it doesn't necessarily fill their love tank. It it makes, doesn't make them feel loved by the person per se. So Mm -hmm. we'll get into the details of each love language and maybe it'll become a little, little more clear. Mm -hmm. So um, Gary Chapman talks about love language number one, and he calls it words of affirmation. So basically what this love language means is if this is your love language or your partner's love language, words are something that's very important. So verbal compliments, verbal affirmations, words of appreciation, motivating words, um, encouraging words, things that would inspire you, that type of that type of interaction is what makes you feel you or your partner feel loved. So it, it, it inspires courage. It requires empathy and it requires you seeing your things from another perspective. So seeing the world from your spouse's perspective, um, and it, and it really is about being kind and humble, um, not making demands instead of using, making requests. Mm-hmm. So an example of that would be, um, could you please make pasta for dinner tonight versus can't we ever have a decent meal around here? So just the way that the words are presented and the mm-hmm. emphasis that's put on the words and the kindness that comes with it is what would make a person that has this as their primary love language feel loved. Yeah. And I think what's interesting at hearing you talk about it is that I would, you know, someone whose love, love language is words of affirmation probably also would be because they take it in so it can be so loving, they can also be very sensitive to the negative Correct. verbal. So if that's their love language, and in a way we can talk about this later too, but they can be also very hurt by them. So if your partner's love language is words of affirmation, you want to be very aware of how you speak to them because maybe you wouldn't care if they said the same thing to you, but to them it might hurt them and vice versa. Something that a compliment you wouldn't care much about might make their whole day brighter. Right. And that's what we're talking about. And I think also the negative form of this, the person becomes highly unresponsive. So if there's demands, if, if Mm -hmm. there's um, nagging, if there's, you know, a harsh tone, things like that really will cause a conflict in relationships if this is the love language, because not only will the person not feel loved, essentially, they also will reject this, the negative side completely. Like you're saying, they would be really sensitive to it. So Mm -hmm. it's really important to be cautious of not only your words, but the way that it's presented Mm -hmm. if this is the love language. And something that's really helpful is he gives some ideas as to things you can do if you or your spouse has have this as a love language. And this really helps make it clear um, as to knowing what types of things you can say or do that can help your partner feel loved. So one of the things he talks about is 
keeping a written record of all the words of affirmation you give to your spouse. So that way it helps you keep track of the nice, kind mm -hmm. things that you're saying. Um, to set a goal to give your spouse a different compliment each day for one month. So when you have something planned like this, then you remember every day when you wake up for one month, you're going to say something kind, give your partner a compliment. That will make them feel loved. Mm -hmm. um, another way is learning to say I love you. Since words of affirmation are clearly words are important, you would want to make sure that you emphasize and you repeat that you love them because that's the way that they feel loved. And I think that's an interesting one because, and we might touch on this later too, that oftentimes to show love in the way your partner wants to feel it, it might feel a little unnatural for you. Yeah. And it might be something you're not used to or as comfortable with, but in desire to love your partner and show them love and make sure they feel loved, you're going to have to push yourself out of your comfort zone at times to do the things, again, not something that makes you feel bad or really bothers you, but it might make you uncomfortable. You have to be willing to push yourself. And especially for men, sometimes being vulnerable with their words is something that they, they might claim they can't do. Oh, I just can't do that. I can't say those things. And we have to challenge and say, it's not, not that you can't, you might be very uncomfortable with it. It might not be natural or easy for you, but you have to stretch yourself and in a desire to love your partner, you're might, you might have to become a little bit uncomfortable. And the good thing about things like this is, first of all, you might see the blocks that are there, whether it's in your own therapy or self-exploration. But once you start to do it, it can feel more natural over time. It's not something that forever will feel so weird for you. Once you start doing it, usually you can be more comfortable with it, but you have to be ready to stretch yourself to, to do that. And I think once you see the benefits of it, once you right. see that your spouse mm -hmm. is feeling loved, that the relationship is improving and it's much better than it may be, something that you're more willing to do. Mm -hmm. Also, if you didn't grow up in an environment where words were something that were, was emphasized or used as a way to make you feel loved, then you may, it may feel unnatural. It right. may be something that's not comfortable for you to say, I love you when nobody ever said, I love you at home growing up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as you mentioned, it's something that you have to be aware of and notice if you're, if you're uncomfortable and where that comes from and your willingness to be able to expand yourself into these discomforts and, these places in order to improve the relationship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, another thing is complimenting your spouse in the presence of others. Um, that's definitely something that would help if this is your love language. Um, looking for your spouse's strengths and verbalizing how much you appreciate those strengths. So, you know, I really appreciate that you, you were so strong today when you went to the doctor and I really appreciate that you wake up early to take the kids to school every day. And, you know, I really appreciated that wonderful dinner that you made tonight. Um, you know, another way, if it's very difficult to verbalize these things, another way is if you wanted to text something or email someone throughout the day, you know, sometimes writing can be easier, but to take, to take the time out to do those things mm -hmm. for your partner, um, routinely would be a way to help them feel loved by you. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's, um, appreciation goes a long way and there's a lot of research showing that happy marriages have ones where both partners feel appreciated by their partner. They feel like they, they appreciate what they do. And as you just said, it might be something they even do routinely, but appreciating that can go a long the way. The acknowledgement in right. and of itself is huge. Yeah. And so, you know, there's, there's so many ways you can use words of affirmation, but if that's your partner's love language, you might want to take note of some of the things Dr. Galvin just mentioned that are 
also in the book. And as we're going through this, it's good to think about yourself, but then also if you're in a relationship, your partner, what you think their love languages are. And actually, I think the test is available online, so you can take it online too, which I really recommend for yourself and your partner, so you get an idea of what your love languages are. And, and also, even your children. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's so many ways. So let's let's go into the second love language. So the second love language is quality time. So what this looks like is giving someone your undivided attention. This one is not so much about giving someone all of your time or mm -hmm. all of your attention all the time, but it's really about being able to set aside some quality time mm -hmm. where you're able to give undivided attention. So it's not like the TV's on and you're listening to someone talk while you're watching right. TV, but that you're really able to focus all of yourself and give all of yourself to someone for a period of time. So time is a precious commodity. And if this is your partner's love language, then they simply want you. They just want to be with you and they want to spend time with you. And they want the focused attention. So they want you to give full attention to him or her when they're talking, when they're sharing, mm -hmm. when they're just being. Um, and it could be different person to person because you mentioned the TV, but for someone it might be, I want to watch this show with you. That to me would actually be quality time because that's something I would enjoy to do with you. But to someone else, it's, I want to make sure we're having eye contact and talking. And I see a lot of couples like, oh, we spent the whole day together. But then the other partner says, well, yeah, but you were on your phone for four hours mm -hmm. and then you did this. So we were in the same room, but there wasn't any quality time when we we're really engaged with each other. Right. And I was going to divide that into two sections. As you mentioned, there's some people who care more about quality conversation mm -hmm. versus others who care more about quality activities. So as you said, if both people have the same interests, they like the same show and they want to sit down and watch the same show together. They want to spend an hour gardening. They want to go to a concert concert for a band that they like together that's their version of quality time together and that works mm -hmm. if not the other version is quality conversation so they really want to have dialogue where both people are sharing their experiences their thoughts their feelings their desires in an uninterrupted context so it's in this phase it's really important to learn to listen, mm -hmm. um, keep eye contact, really give your undivided attention, um, listen for your partner's feelings and what they're sharing so you can reflect it back so it shows that you're listening. You may some, say something like, it sounds like you were really feeling upset at work today when Jane said that to you. Um, you know, you want to observe their body language, if they're crying or shaking or clenching their fists, and you can make note of that observation to them. Mm -hmm. You know, I noticed that you look like really tense right now. What's, are you feeling really upset or really angry? Right. It's probably because um, James is such a jerk, right? No one Jane. James. Oh, is it Jane? I thought you said James. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. It's really about listening. Mm -hmm. With your That's funny. Almost I wasn't quite listening. That means, okay, I got to work on that one. <laughs> you were busy coughing in the corner. Right. So, you know, not interrupting, mm -hmm. um, really taking it all in, really paying attention, reflecting back so that your partner feels like you're actually giving them your time and you're participating in the conversation. So, you know, again, it could be activities. It could be conversation. Whatever it is, you need to give your whole self for that time to your partner. Right. Another one that might feel again, could feel uncomfortable for someone. They might not Absolutely. be used to those kinds of conversations, eye contact, uh, undivided attention, especially in today's day and age with Cell phones. phones. That's one of the biggest complaints I'm sure you get from couples too, that he or she won't talk to me or always checks their phone yes. or has it on. And so you rarely have these conversations where it's like eye contact for an extended period of time. And especially if that's someone's love language, they're going to feel like that's missing. 
Um, so, uh, yeah. So there's, and then there's a few ways you have like. So some of the yeah. things you can do if this is the love language of your partner. So you would ask your partner to list five activities he or she would enjoy doing with you and try to make plans monthly to do them. So, you know, maybe one month you go to a concert together. Maybe the next month you go to a show together. I mean, whatever it is, but you make the effort towards spending that quality time together. Um, another way is to help keep your partner engaged in your life so that they feel included in your thoughts, your feelings, your experiences. So you might want to send a picture throughout the day if you're doing something interesting, like, you know, you're eating lunch at the park and there's some birds flying around and you think that's interesting. You send a picture to your partner so you can share part of yourself with them. Mm-hmm. Um, another way is to set date night with activities with your spouse or something that you both enjoy doing. Um, plan a weekend getaway. Um, make time daily to share the events of your day with each other. And, and it could be something so simple like just talking as you're doing chores around the house. Um, yes, we said, you know, try not to do other things while you talk to your partner. But sometimes it's really just about sharing your experience. And, you know, maybe you're washing dishes and the other person's drying the dishes and you just start sharing about your day or asking about their day and really listening and reflecting. So, you know, doing some of those things, those are just some examples of things you can do if that's your partner's love language to help them feel a little bit more connected and fill their love tank. Mm -hmm. And so we're getting close to commercial break. Um, the next one actually is pretty fitting for Valentine's Day since people are very often concerned about receiving gifts or giving gifts for Valentine's Day. So that's one we're going to get into next. The third love language is receiving gifts. And what I think is interesting about this one, and we'll, we'll extend on this after the break, is that it's not about necessarily the price of the gift. Yes. Very often it's more the symbolic or the fact that you were thinking of the person and you put thought into the gift. And I think that's something true um, to think about even for Valentine's Day now. I hope a lot of people listening aren't going to get upset if their partners now give them something <laughs> less expensive but more thoughtful. But generally people who are receiving gifts is their love language. Um, it's more about the thought than just the price, which is why, like you were saying before, a lot of these love languages, most people, no one dislikes them. So no one dislikes receiving gifts. Right. But for some people, there's a way that it can make them feel loved especially when there's thought put into it, when they feel like it me meant something to the person getting it, they thought about them. Even sometimes it could be as simple as, um, find, oh, I found this you know, flower when I was walking and I thought it was so beautiful, so exactly. I picked it to bring it to you. It's not that I went and spent an, uh, you know, a, a large sum of money. But we'll talk more about receiving gifts, the third love language, after the break. Again, joining me tonight is Dr. Jennifer Galvin. We're talking about the five love languages. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dolokwi. We'll be right back. Real estate yani Hamid Khajavi Khajavi Jan Welcome back. My guest again tonight, Dr. Jennifer Galvin. We were talking about the five love languages. And before the break, we started talking about love language number three, which is receiving gifts. 
Yeah, so, you know, you mentioned a little bit about it. So receiving gifts, it's really a visual symbol or reminder of love. So these can be gifts that are purchased, found, or made. As you mentioned, it doesn't have to be something expensive. It's really about the special meaning behind the gift. So you could be on a walk in nature and find a rock or a stick or something that reminds you of something you guys talked about, and you bring that home to your partner, and that's a way that they would feel loved, something meaningful to them. Um You know, sometimes for these people in times of crisis, it's really about the gift of self. Having your physical presence be there for that person is like a gift to them in a hard time. Um, So some of the things, you know, you could do if this is the love language would be, you know, to set some like there's 12 days of Christmas. You could do 12 days for a birthday or Mm -hmm. anniversary. Um, You can make something. You can make a handmade gift for your partner. Um, You can have a symbolic gift. It doesn't have to be a financial thing. It Mm -hmm. could be a picture of something that you like, something that's discussed. Um, A really helpful way is to keep a gift idea notebook. So if your partner mentions, you know, that they really like something or they really, really like this necklace or they really enjoy this type of coffee, if you write it down in your notebook, it's something to keep in mind. You know, Mm -hmm. you walk by that coffee shop, you pick up a coffee that they like for them. That would be something meaningful to them. Yeah, I like that one a lot, too, because I think um, especially if you know your partner likes gifts, like you do have to have this like radar on all the time. I mean, not like in a stressful way, but just pay attention. Like, what do they like? Even it doesn't have to be something they say they want to buy, but they say, oh, I like this band or I like this whatever. And you say, okay, these are their interests because for people who gifts um, are their love language, for them, again, it's the thought. So if they show that, oh, you paid attention that I like this and you got me that, that means so much to them. Again, it's more symbolic than the monetary right. value. So the notebook is a great idea, and especially with phones out so easy, you can just have a you know a little a note in your phone, or you just add things that your partner says they like or interested in. Or, oh, you know, she said she liked this, or he pointed to that tie one time, and like even you, nowadays it's so easy. You can take a picture, picture. of the tie, mm-hmm. come back and get it. So those are the things we're talking about. If is for any partner, but especially if they're um, this is the this love is language. their love language is is that. Um, So how about we go up to the next one, love language number four. Yeah, so number four is acts of service. Mm -hmm. And what this love language is, is more uh, about doing things that you know your spouse would like you to do. It's about actions. So this type of person believes actions speak louder than words. So if you do things for them... For example, you cook dinner that night, you take out the trash, you vacuum the house, you change the baby's diaper. I mean, whatever it is, it's it's you're doing something for them. You're taking something off their plate that they don't have to think about, that they don't have to worry about. So some things you can do if this is your partner's love language is... You know, serve someone your spouse loves. Take care of a relative that they're taking care of or take care of the pet that day or take care of the baby that day. Um, You know, let your spouse do something for themselves that day. So if they're going to the spa or watching a show on TV, take care of everything so they don't have to deal with anything. Answer all the phone calls, deal with all the kids, do whatever it is so that they can have that time for themselves. Um, Another idea is to print note cards that say today I will show my love for you by and you fill in the blank by cleaning your car by putting gas by going to the bank um, whatever it is that you know that your partner needs to Mm -hmm. get done Um, ask your spouse to make a list of 10 things that they want you to do in the next month and then chip away at it one at a time Um, 
you know, if you don't have the time and you have the money, you can always hire someone to do these acts of service for your partner. And that would be meaningful. Hire someone to clean the house once a month or hire a nanny that can help. So those are just some examples of things you can do mm-hmm. if this is the love language. Yeah. And again, uh, you know, this one for some people, it might mean everything. And for someone else, it might not mean that much. And that's right. why this is important for us, which we'll talk about once we finish the fifth love language of really knowing your own and your partner's love language. But moving on to the fifth love language, which is physical touch. Right. So physical touch, and if this is the love language, it it can range from holding hands, sitting close to each other, all the way to sexual intercourse. So it doesn't necessarily have to be sexual, but it can be. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just putting your bodies next to each other, holding hands, kissing, embracing, hugging. The physical contact and the physical touch is the huge communicator of love for this love language. The closer your body is to me, the closer I feel to you. That's the philosophy in this love language. So some things that you can do for your partner where this is the primary love language, hold your spouse's hand in the car when you're walking, um, wrap your arms around him or her, hug them, rub their back, say, I love you. Um, give a foot massage or rub other parts of the body to bring pleasure to your spouse. Um, you know, touch your spouse in the presence of others. And, you know, if there's some separation for whatever reason, if your partner's in, you know, in the military and deployed or whatever it is, something sensual, a handwritten letter or, you know, having an old shirt that you can wear that smells like your partner, um, sending a photo for your spouse to have something of you to touch, um, you know, things like anything with a tactile nature for this type of person, any contact, anything physical, any Mm -hmm. touch is something that's important. Yeah. And so that's... uh, for everyone, again, it's going to be important, but for some, it's going to be very important that even just, you know, if they're not, if they're you're upset with them, but you touch them, they feel more reassured because they need that physical touch that gives them some feeling of reassurance. So we went through the f- five love languages and then, so now we're going to get into um, kind of figuring out your own and your partners. And it's so important to do this. We, we kind of talked about it at the beginning, but I've worked with, with couples and, you know, he talks about in the book, you'll hear husband and wife and like, you know, he'll say, oh, you know, she doesn't love me. She, and then the wife says, what do you mean? I tell you, I love you all the time. I say all these nice things about you. And then she'll say, you know, you don't love me. And he's like, what do you mean? I, I do your, your laundry. I take your dry cleaning. I do this and I do that. But the problem is they're speaking Different the wrong languages. love languages. And importantly, usually the way we think what we're showing love is actually the way we want to receive love. Right. So that same husband and wife, you know, if they switched what they did, they actually probably would be a lot happier. But unfortunately, they're speaking their own love language to the other partner. So um, what are well, some so ways... that's yeah. key in identifying yes. your partner's love language, right? And so look to see what they do for you as a way to show love. Um, and that can be an indicator as to what what might be their love language. So I'll give a short example. My husband and I have known each other for 15 years, but in the first part of our relationship, we spoke completely different love languages. So for me, acts of service were really important. And for him, words of affirmation. And so since it wasn't important to me, I felt like I loved him and I felt like he did all these things great and I appreciated it, but I just didn't verbalize it. 
And so there was a miscommunication in our love language because he would tell me all these nice things, but it wasn't important to me. For me, what filled my love tank is acts of service. Mm -hmm. So I noticed over time that he was giving me what he needed and I was doing for him what I wanted. And so until we were able to get clear on what our individual love languages are, and to make the effort towards that, even though that's not something I need or I find important, I make the effort now to say nice things to him and to tell him what I appreciate because I know that's important to him. Mm-hmm. And he goes out of his way to run errands for me or take some things off my to-do list because that's what's important to me. So we've finally been able to connect on that level, but it took a lot of work yeah. and understanding as to the differences in the love language to be able to come to that conclusion. Right. And that goes back to what we were saying before, that it's not just everything's going to fall into place, everything is natural, everything is easy. It took some, you know, figuring out and even some maybe hard times or challenges of of figuring that out and really communicating to realize, wait, this is how you feel loved. This is how I feel loved. Let's do those things for each other. And without that communication and that desire to love each other in a way that made the partner feel loved, you wouldn't have gotten there. So as you said, that's a big one is, how does your partner show love or even yourself? How do you tend to show love? That's a big clue into what might be your love language. Yeah. And it's really important to recognize that if you're not getting the love that you need in your language, your love tank is empty or very depleted. And if they're not getting it in their language, then their love tank is empty and depleted. Mm -hmm. And so you have two people with two empty love tanks and no one is willing to give the other person the kind of love they need because they don't feel it. So sometimes when it's at that emptiness or that depletion, it's really the time when someone needs to step up and provide your partner with their love language and whatever it is they need that makes them feel loved to fill their love tank a little. Mm -hmm. Because once their love tank gets filled a little, then they're more willing to do something to make you feel loved. So it's, it it can become really challenging when there's two people with empty love tanks Mm -hmm. and resent and anger and frustration and all of these things build up and nobody wants to take that first step. But you have to keep in mind, the more you give to your partner, the more likely they're willing to give to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Whatever you want more of in your relationship, you have to inject more in your relationship. So if you want more love in your relationship, don't just wait for your partner to love you more. Give them more love and especially give them love in a way that they feel loved. And then it's more likely they'll love you back. So what you said is really important. There has to be that desire. You know, we're talking about these love languages for you to want to make your partner feel loved. And unfortunately, sometimes relationships can get so strayed, uh, you know, and and people start to not have that feeling for each other that they don't want that. They don't have that effort. But you have to have that desire and motivation. I want to make sure my partner feels loved. And if you have that, then you have to say, okay, what makes my partner feel loved? Let me make sure I learn that. So I think, that, you know, there's a few ways to do that. Of course, they can take the test, which I think is a great idea, but also just from your own observations, what do they do? Another one is what do they complain about or mm-hmm. ask or more of those are two big clues also that he talks about in the book what does it what is it often your partner complains about you never do this you never say nice things you never do anything for me you never spend time with me so you want to pay attention to what is it that they're complaining about and if you can as hard as it is in a relationship but to not take it personally to recognize it's not that i'm a bad partner but it's that i'm not loving my partner the way they want to be loved just like if you cooked someone some food and they said actually i like it with less salt or more salt they're not insulting you but they're telling you their personal preference um then you are going to see that 
you're just going to give them love the way they want to feel it, the way that it feels good to them. I think it's really important what you said about not taking it personally, because I think sometimes people might feel like I can't give you the kind of love you need yeah. or what I give you is not good enough for you. Mm-hmm. And it's not personal. Right. It's purely just what their love language is, is just what their love language is. It has nothing really to do with the other person yeah. or them being adequate or inadequate. It's really just learning to speak the language that they need to feel fulfilled. Right. And that's, yeah, that's the thing. They can feel exhausted. Like, I did this and this and this and this and this, but it's that you're not doing it in the language they feel. So you might do a thousand things and they might kind of like them. So again, when it's not your primary love language, it doesn't mean you hate it or you don't feel anything, but it doesn't give you a lot or it doesn't fill that tank up. And so people, a partner might feel exhausted saying, I've done all this, or I've said, I love you a thousand times and all these compliments. But if their love language is something else, they're not feeling it. So it's about really making sure your effort is well spent. You're putting it in the right direction, mm. that you're expressing the way that your partner is going to feel it. And again, keep in mind that, you know, we have a primary love language and maybe even a secondary, but you probably need to do all five for your partner. So don't think, okay, because their primary language is, you know, words of affirmation, I never have to do an act of service for my partner. That's not going to be the case. We're talking about focusing on certain things, but not removing the other love language. Well, and I think at the end of the book, he's speaking about children and he says that parents have to give high doses of the child's love language to that child. But it's also just as important to sprinkle in all the other four mm-hmm. languages mm-hmm. regularly. And I think that can be applied to relationships as well. So you give higher doses of their love language to them, but you want to sprinkle in the other four because right. it can't hurt and it's yeah. only going to help the situation. But to know what their primary love language is and what they need most of, it really helps everyone. Yeah. It makes it simple. It makes it easier. And it makes the other person feel fulfilled. Yeah. And we do actually have to wrap up. Um, That was kind of a a brief uh, intro into the book, The Five Love Languages. I say brief because we could have talked much longer about it, but tried to get it all into one hour. But, you know, you should take the time to understand yourself, know your own, own love language, and know your partners. It can make things a lot more smooth in your relationship and also help you understand yourself and your partner better and hopefully make your relationship better. So here we are two days from Valentine's Day. A gift you guys can give each other is to take this test together and to really learn how to love each other better. Again, big thanks to Dr. Jennifer Galvin for joining me Thanks so much for having me. And I wanted to make sure I gave her office number. Her office is here in the Los Angeles area in Encino. It's 818-538-5236. And I'll probably post that uh, when I post a picture from tonight on my social media. So take a look out for that. Uh, You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fagalakwi. Hope you have a wonderful night. 